You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Who likes to wait for things to come about in life? Not even one hand. Andrew, maybe, sometimes. <laughs> there we go. couple of hands. Not many of us do. What about you kids? Do you like to wait for your birthday to come around? Well, Olivia's close, hey? Yeah, yeah, she's hanging out. What about waiting for mum and dad to finally say you can have a lolly or have some ice cream on the weekend? You're going to a birthday. Yeah. You've been waiting for this day for ages, haven't you? Very exciting. You know, waiting isn't something that many of us like to do, whether it's waiting for a web page to load or a video to buffer or our fancy coffee order to be made by the barista, for our turn on a roller coaster, for that poor lady in Aldi to finally get through the hundreds of items that the person in front of us has before we can just get our thing of coffee through. (laughs) For our annual leave to come around, for long service leave to come around, for retirement to come around, for our footy team to finally turn up and perform, for Christmas to come. We just don't like waiting, do we? Not only do we not like to wait for the, the little things in life, but we don't like waiting for those bigger things to come about in life too. You know, think about it. If, if maybe you're here or you're watching online and, and you're single and you're really keen to partner up, we find, we find it pretty hard to wait for Mr. Darcy or whoever the female Mrs. Darcy equivalent is. <laughs> Married men don't answer that one. Um, I don't know who it is, but we'll just take it, take that there's one, no doubt. Perhaps if, if we're, we're, we are married and, and we've been having a season of dealing with some, some challenges in terms of con- conceiving a child, maybe we've got some fertility challenges and just waiting for a precious child to come about can be the most challenging of things to deal with, a time of real emotional turmoil. Or perhaps we're waiting for a prodigal to return, a spouse, a child, or a dear long-term friend to to come to Jesus. That can be an incredibly difficult time to wait as well. Bob Callerman from Resurrection Power Ministries, he says this, he says, waiting on the Lord can be a soul-wrenching experience. If you've ever had to wait for more than five minutes for God to do something really important, you know that feeling. At times it can feel like getting the wind knocked out of you as though there's a hole in the core of your soul. And this is so true, isn't it? Waiting, waiting for the small things, let alone the bigger things of life, um, can be really, really hard. And this is made all the tougher, I would say, because the majority of life is spent waiting. We spend the majority of our time in life and days and weeks and months and years waiting for things to either come about that we're hoping for or perhaps even things to not come about that we might be hoping for. And that can be really tough. Now, obviously, in the waiting, there are many ways we can wait, aren't there? There are helpful ways to wait, and there's perhaps some not-so-helpful ways to wait. Who's seen someone wait impatiently in a traffic jam? Anyone? Seen that guy come flying down the emergency stopping lane to get two cars ahead 
to then be stuck once again in the traffic jam. Anyone seen that? All the time. And no doubt, if it goes well for them in that moment, they're still stuck in the traffic jam, but if it goes badly, a policeman will have noticed them doing that, and then they'll get a ticket as well. And Laura and I actually firsthand, when we flew up to Queensland a while back for a bit of a break, we saw this on a plane. What, how do people wait impatiently on the plane? As soon as it lands, the seatbelt signs off, what do people do? They jump up to grab their bag, and then they're just standing waiting instead of sitting waiting. It's a, it's a hilarious thing. We just don't like waiting, do we? And you might have saved all of 10 seconds by the time they're actually letting people off the plane, grab your bag, and then off you go. You know what I was saying. There's many ways to wait. There's ways to wait poorly and ways to wait well. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to open God's Word because God's Word has a lot to say about waiting and waiting well. So let's, uh, let's, let's pray and invite Holy Spirit to, to speak to our hearts and encourage us as we wait for the things in our life that we are waiting for to do so and wait well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for just your, the wonder of your word, God. The wonder, what a gift it is. Your word is truth. Your word is the light to our very path, lamp unto our feet. Your word is useful for all things. It is such a gift to us, God. So as we open your word together today, God, would you ignite a passion within our hearts for you? Would you ignite a passion and a longing, a deep desire, God, that would never, never burn out to just want to connect with you through your word, know you more, go deeper in you, encounter you in power as we open your life-giving word? and allow it to speak to us and change our hearts. So would you do that this morning, God? I can't do that. No man could ever say that they could do that, but you can do that, Holy Spirit. So would you do that today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Kristen Tabb, she's an academic from Bethlehem College and Seminary in the US. She says this about waiting. She says, waiting is a standard part of life in a finite world. Regardless of whether our waiting feels easy or hard at the moment, how we wait is shaping the people we are becoming. It's so true, isn't it? You know, waiting in life is a given, and for most things, we're completely powerless to speed up the process, aren't we? Try as I did as a nine-year-old, no matter what I did, my birthday wouldn't come around any quicker. I tried everything. Did anyone else try that when they were younger? You know, you're like, oh, maybe if I just talk about it more, it might come, or I'll go to bed slightly earlier and then the days will go quicker and that kind of thing. Maybe it was only me. I just had to wait. I was completely powerless to see my birthday come around any quicker. But what I could control and what any of us can actually control while we wait is how we wait, the posture, the way in which we wait. And how we wait, the way in which we wait, as Christian, Kristen Tab rightly says, has a profound effect on the kind of people that we're actually becoming. And one of the, one of the things that... Excuse me. I'm getting it, Lockie. Look at that. On. No cough in the microphone. 
One of the things that Scripture consistently, from the very start, from the opening pages of Genesis all the way through to the very end of the Bible, is it encourages us to have a humble posture of worship towards God, doesn't it? You see that throughout Scripture, encouragements to have a humble posture of worship before God. And this is an important posture for us to have any time, but it's especially important to embrace as we wait for things in life. As Kristen Tab says, worship is essential to that wait because a Godward perspective helps us to persevere with patience and hope. Endurance, Paul tells us, produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Perhaps we see this most clearly play out in the Psalms. Psalm after Psalm encourages followers of Jesus and, and it also challenges people not yet following Jesus to do this, to actually wait well with a posture of worship towards God. Psalm, Psalm 37 contains some great examples of this. The psalmist writes in verse 7, encourages God's people to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. And the encouragement to wait patiently on the Lord continues in, in verses 9 and 34. It says, For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And verse 34, Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. And another psalm which we're going to focus on today, Psalm 27, it encourages us in this same posture of worship, one of patience, one of waiting on God for the things we're waiting to see come about. Psalm 27 is a, is a psalm of David, and most biblical scholars will say that David wrote this psalm while he was being hunted down by King Saul, while he was living in no fixed address. He was, he was homeless, so to speak. He was moving from place to place because he was trying to escape with his life. And the, the, it's a psalm of David because, not only does it say it's a psalm of David, but you look at it and it's very much sort of showcases the kinds of things that David was going through. Similar voice as David's other psalms. And it speaks about how David faced and dealt with many different enemies, different battles, different struggles, all the while waiting confidently for God to bring about the things that he hoped and he was hoping for. So let's read Psalm 27 in full and I'll draw out some observations. From verse 1, David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. 
And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. What a beautiful psalm. You know, David opens his psalm with with confidence, right right in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So he starts confidently, and then he goes on to list all the reasons why justifiably he, he could very well be afraid. You know, in verse 2, David shares that he's facing evildoers who are assailing him, people who want to eat up his flesh, genuine adversaries and foes. And then in verse 3, David says that he's got an army after him. He's got a war arising against him. Verse, six, verse 5 and 6 speaks of days of trouble and enemies all around David. I mean, it's pretty safe to say, isn't it, that life is not smooth sailing for David. He's waiting for deliverance, and it's tough in the waiting for that deliverance to come about. So how does David wait? How does David wait well? What David does is he, he sets his gaze beyond the immediate. You know, he sees what's going on. He sees the adversaries all around. He sees the wars coming against him and he sets his gaze beyond the immediate, beyond what's going on in the natural to look to God, to remind himself that while it might feel that God has left him, God hasn't left him. He's very much there and is looking out for him. In a sense, David does what the Apostle Paul encourages believers, us, to do in Colossians 3, 1 to 2. Paul writes, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now David shifts his perspective, and this perspective shift changes everything for him. Naturally, this account is not just in for its historical relevance, because it is a historical event. David wrote this psalm. He was experiencing these different things. But this account is included in Scripture for our benefit, to remind us that this kind of shift can change everything for us too. It can change everything for us, and it can guide us in waiting well for those things we're waiting for. So, Let's draw out a few things from this passage. What steps does David take to shift his perspective? Well, the first one is David actually chooses to look to God. And, and you know, like sometimes in our, 
you, you hear that and you go, oh, of course, like that's an obvious first step. But is it our obvious first step when we're waiting for things? Let's be honest. Do we look to God or do we look to someone else? <laughs> yeah, you know, like really, it's so easy, especially in our, in our age of social media influences and all sorts of things where there's lots of great ideas out there or even other people we can easily look to other people before we even look to the Lord himself. And so, yeah, so David chooses to look to God. But here's the thing. David doesn't just choose to look at God like, oh, God, I'm struggling here. Help me out. David chooses to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. David chooses, in essence, to enjoy his maker. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference between, oh, God, help me in this, and then, oh God, you are glorious. You're a mighty, wonderful God. I want to fix my eyes on you. You are, help fill my heart with thoughts about you. Oh, there's a difference there, isn't there? Psalm 27, verse 4, David says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To what? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his tent. David shifts from focusing on the physical and created to focusing on the spiritual, to focusing on the good, kind, and loving and merciful creator that he knows. He chooses as he waits to enjoy and marvel at the character and the sheer beauty of God. So that's the first thing David does, and it's a powerful thing. And here's another, the second. David chooses to talk to God. Psalm 27.4 again. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David asks of the Lord and then chooses to inquire or other translations meditate in God's temple. He just has, has that heart to want to, to want to be with God, be with his creator, spend time communing, talking, engaging, asking, enjoying, all of those things wrapped up in one. And then in verses 7 to 9, we read more about David's heart to connect with God. David cries out, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. And then in verses 11 to 13, David pens this beautiful heartfelt prayer. He says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, not only is David shifting his gaze up to the character and goodness and faithfulness of God, but he's also talking with God. He's also sharing his heart. He's, he's, he's not just, you know, like saying the little popcorn prayers that so often we might say in our day, oh God, help me with this, or I'm finding it hard with this. You know, he's pouring out his heart. 
He's pouring out his very soul to God and he's inviting God to move in him and through the situations that he's experiencing as only he can. In the waiting, in the struggle, in the pain. Well, let's, let's be real here. David's experience was not an easy experience. Can you imagine not being able to... Can you imagine fearing shutting your eyes lest a spear comes your way and you're done for because Saul's army tracks you down and, and finally gets you. Can you imagine resting your head on a rock? That wouldn't be fun, would it? But resting your head on a rock, trying to get a bit of shut-eye, but at the same time fearing that, hang on, is this going to be my last act before my end? You can't imagine it, can you? Like David was facing some struggles and he was waiting and it was hard. David shows us what it means to wait well. All right. Are you giving me something, are you? Is that going to help? Thanks. Oh, it's a bit hard. All right. Don't chew it. Otherwise, I'll go see a dentist. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Let's, uh, Let's just take a moment to recap. So in the waiting, David chooses what? He chooses to look to God. He chooses to talk to God. And here's the third. David chooses to have that posture of worship. He chooses to worship God. And we touched on this earlier. And there's, there's no question that maybe, maybe you know, if you've walked with Jesus for a while, perhaps you know this to be true. There's, there's no question that the first two will fuel the third. You know, if you, if you look to God and gaze at his beauty and then you talk with him and share your heart and pour out your heart to him and have, enjoy that relationship with him, that's only going to fuel your own worship for God, isn't it? If we look to and talk with him, we'll naturally be spurred on to genuinely worship and praise God no matter the circumstances we're facing. And David writes these powerful words about God and his experience in Psalm 27, 5 to 6. David says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. You know, David chooses to look to God. David chooses to talk with God. And these choices, that, that humble, looking-to-God posture that he had, it manifest in genuine, heartfelt worship and praise to his maker. And not only that, and here's the final point I want to share today. All of these choices, all of these first three, led, led David back to that place where he would choose to trust in his God. Yeah, As he remembered just how good and faithful he'd been, God has been in the midst of his circumstances over many, many years. You know, in verse, verse 10, for instance, David, David reflects on how he feels abandoned and then you read it and you can see he's kind of speaking to his own heart. He's reminding himself, I might feel this way, but the Lord will take me in. Like he, he's preaching to himself, you know. David reminds himself God's faithful even when others aren't. And you can, 
You can see that even in one of the other passages there where, where he talks about his parents have let him down, but I know you won't, Lord, you won't. And in verse 13, David reminds himself that as he waits well, that he will eventually look upon or see the goodness of the Lord in his circumstances one way or another. David reminds himself, hey, God's done it before and he can do it again. God's done it before, I've seen it, and I trust that he can do it again. And all of this, all of this, the, the, the looking, the talking, the worship, and then, you know, this one, David reminds himself that all of this, sorry, culminates in the encouraging words of the final verse, verse 14, where David writes, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know, friends, waiting is incredibly difficult. Waiting is hard. Waiting is so hard. You know this. I know this. But most importantly, and and I think this is so important for us to remember as we wait for things, particularly the big things of life to come about for us, God knows it too. God knows it too. God knows that waiting is really tough. He knows that waiting for things to come about, for things to change, for long-held dreams to be realised, for breakthrough to come in your financial situation, for having that child that you so desire, to see your prodigal return, God knows that waiting for all of these things, and even sometimes the smaller things in life, God knows that waiting for these things is incredibly hard. He knows, and he encourages us to wait well as we wait, to look to him, to talk to him, to worship him, and to trust in him. Now, friends, I don't know what it is that you're waiting for today. Well, some of you I do, but not everyone. I don't know what everyone is waiting for today, but God certainly does. God knows exactly what is weighing on your spirit. God knows exactly what is getting you down. God knows exactly where you are desiring to see breakthrough or deliverance or something in your life. God knows and God cares. God cares. And today, he, I believe he's inviting you to come to him afresh with your burden, to come to him and find rest in him. As Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I encourage us this morning? Let's do what David did. Let's do what David did and actually approach our God who cares. Let's approach our God who cares. And maybe you're here today or you're watching with us online and you, know, you, don't, you don't yet have a relationship with God and maybe some of this is a little foreign to you. Can I encourage you? God says today is the day of salvation, which means today is a day you can turn and come to him for the first time. You can simply approach him and invite him to, to show himself to you. And if you place your faith in the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross, 
in dying for the sins of mankind, then Scripture says you will be saved. You will be saved. So I encourage you, come to him today and place your faith in him and trust him for your salvation. Wherever, wherever it is any of us are at, my prayer for each of us is that we would learn with Holy Spirit's help to wait well, that we would, as Psalm 27 verse 8 says, be people who, irrespective of what it is we're waiting for, irrespective of how difficult it is to wait, that we would be people who would choose to seek God's face earnestly, people who would wait well. Now, we're going to have a time of prayer ministry now, so maybe we could have the music team come up, um, or John on the guitar, whatever. And uh, as I was prepping for this Sunday, I just really felt like God said that he, he wants to take some burdens off people today. He wants to see people freed today from carrying the weight of not yet realised longings alone, that he wants to see people yeah, receive prayer and walk, walk freer with these, these things that we're waiting for, knowing that God actually cares about these desires of our hearts. God actually cares more than we would ever even imagine about these things that are burning on our hearts that we are waiting for and we're desperate for and we really want to see come about. God wants to, wants to work in our lives and he wants to re- release some of that burden that you're carrying this morning.